whoever is listening, however you are listening, I want to welcome you back. My name is Grayson Mann. This is the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 16. Before we begin, as always, I want to thank you guys for the continued support on the podcast, the YouTube channel, everything. Everything has been absolutely fantastic. I have just no words but thank you for you guys. It's been an unbelievable just, just to see the growth that we've continued to have. And we are now on Apple Podcasts. That is fantastic. That is amazing. If you guys could leave a five-star review, a rating, leave your feedback. That would be much appreciated. It helps the podcast grow. It helps it continue to get noticed out there, build our audience. But if you want to take an alternative route, you can ask my brother how he takes that route. He will tell you. You just tell me to my face. Call the podcast cringe. Send me an email at graysonman21 at gmail.com. If you want to leave something funny like, I agree with your brother or something like that. But in all seriousness, the ratings really do help and just continue to show the support y'all have been doing and it just continues to mean the world to me. So today, I really want to talk about the offseason. Not much something specific, but just what do we make of it? And then I want to talk about Kansas City. I'm a little worried about them. And then we have a Gene Avery Super Fan of the Week, of course. I know with the interview, we didn't get to do that, but that will be continuing, so don't worry about that. So let's start with the 2021 NFL offseason. It's going to be insane. It's going to be crazy, wild. Any adjective you want to throw at it. The way I see it, last year, I know Tom Brady signed with the Buccaneers. There was a lot of moving parts and pieces, but I feel like it was very limited and we were holding our breath at the same time. We didn't know how the sports world was going to be, how it was going to take shape following the pandemic and all the stuff that's been going on. This year, it's all gas, no brakes. We had this 100-pound brick on the brakes and we were slowly moving just inches by inches hoping that these signings, these trades could have any value because there was talk there wasn't going to be a sports season. And I really want to touch on how this year it's going to be all chasing Tampa Bay because obviously Tom Brady came down to Tampa Bay. They went 11-5. and five. They had this fantastic run and won a Super Bowl. But I have an issue with the way that people have been describing them. They're calling them this the super team. And the way I think of super team, it's LeBron joining the D- Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh in Miami. Golden State with Kevin Durant forming this mega team, and everyone's trying to chase them. I don't think necessarily there's this overall dominance. I know Tampa Bay made Kansas City look like fools in the Super Bowl, made them look like they didn't belong there, like there should have been a different team. I really have an issue with that super team word being thrown around, because if you look at the people that Tampa Bay brought in, Leonard Fournette cleared off waivers of Jacksonville. Nobody, nobody wanted him. He brought in his old tight end, Rob Gronkowski, and you can argue, yeah, Rob Gronkowski looked good. He had two touchdowns in the Super Bowl, but he was one year removed from retirement, WWE superstar, all this fandom. He wasn't, he was done with football. Whether you want to say he was done with Belichick, not done with football yet, waiting for Tom Brady to get out. And then you bring in Antonio Brown, whose career should be over right now. You could argue he should be in jail for all the stuff that he's caused, he's done. The dude was a maniac. The dude was a psycho. A lot of people were like, this guy does not need to be in the league he doesn't belong there and Tom Brady has this ability to bring those personalities together and mesh it and say do you want to win a ring or not and that's just what's so great about Brady I don't think anyone else in the NFL could do that and then there's just going to be this imitation they're going to try to copy what Tampa Bay has done that formula let's bring in an aging QB and let's see if he can mesh these personalities together I don't think that's going to be a good thing for the NFL partly because I don't think it can be replicated. I don't think someone like Aaron Rodgers could bring those personalities together. I don't think Russell Wilson could bring those personalities together. Sure, 
it's part of that system that Seattle has. They don't really bring in anybody. There was a talks with them bringing in AB, and they ended up not doing it. Tampa Bay had some pushback with Antonio Brown. Bruce Arians, have, first, he said, no, I'm not bringing in someone like that on the team. That could be detrimental. You call it a team cancer or whatever you want to say. But I think no one brings them together like Tom Brady. And I think that at the time in the Super Bowl, a lot of people were saying that they've met their match. This run was fantastic, but Kansas City's got their number. And then the Brady effect happens. The calm, cool, and collected. You could say Tampa Bay was inexperienced. There wasn't a lot of guys on the roster with championship experience, but Tom Brady trumps all of that. And they win a Super Bowl, and now they're looking to repeat. Of course, Tom Brady's going to come back. Of course, he's going to get these weapons back. There's a lot of talk. I've been listening to sports radio, The Herd, a lot of great shows talking about how does Tampa Bay keep this all together, and it's simple, how they brought it there in the first place with Tom Brady. He's just going to say, hey, do you want to make $40 million for the Patriots and go 7-9, and nine, or do you want to stay with me, go 13-3, and three, live in a great city that doesn't get cold, and win a Super Bowl again? They've got the roster to do it. They've got the talent to do it, so why not? And when you look at the offseason as a whole, there are so many parts and pieces to examine. You've got the quarterback carousel. Where does Deshaun Watson go? There's talks with San Francisco, Carolina. The Panthers are very intriguing as that trade has already been discussed. Three first-rounders, Christian McCaffrey. That could be very interesting. Deshaun Watson, obviously, wherever he goes, there's going to be Super Bowl aspirations, playoff aspirations. So if you're like the Jets or the Panthers... You haven't been to the playoffs in a bit. That could be an exciting thing for a franchise that's been struggling and finally gets their franchise QB. And I think the primary goal for Deshaun Watson is to get a team that really puts his needs first. You have the Houston Texans who have collapsed in every way, shape, or form. This team was, you could say, one fake punt away from being the hosts of the AFC Championship game. Playing the Tennessee Titans, I would have picked Deshaun Watson in an AFC Championship game. I've seen Deshaun Watson play firsthand in a championship game. It's very good. It's very fantastic, magical. J.J. Watt, where is he going to go? Is Aaron Rodgers, the Russell Wilson, these big shot QBs calling their teams out like, I want more say, or this team's given up on me. Where do these guys land? There's so many moving parts this offseason. It's going to be crazy. I think the NFL is going to look completely different next year. There's so many different pieces. And that kind of leads me into my next topic, the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm kind of worried about Kansas City, and you're going to immediately start clicking in the comment section like, oh, Kansas City's going to go 14-2 again. You're full of it. You're dumb. You're, what are you talking about? Don't kick yourself. But don't, don't kid yourself. Wow, come on now. But with the Kansas City Chiefs, I've got a couple issues, and it was very apparent in the Super Bowl that they looked very lost, and I feel like for Kansas City, their mantra is... We're going to come back. We got Patrick Mahomes. We got this stud of an offense. 10 points, 14 points, doesn't really matter. And eventually you're sitting there waiting for what Brady did in the Super Bowl. And it was 28-3. to You're waiting for that comeback. You're waiting for them to look like a their old self again. And it never looked like that. Mahomes looked flustered. And that's partially because he didn't have any pressure. He was missing his two top tackles, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. But that also leads into my other issue, which is depth. Because I feel like best championship teams have the guys that can step up the best. Tampa Bay had the front four. They didn't even have to blitz, which was what Buffalo tried to do in the AFC Championship game, but they couldn't get pressure. They have this front four. They were like, all right, we're going to drop all of our guys back. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. We can't let them beat us. Well, they did. So this is why I want to talk about Kansas City, why I'm worried about them. 
the term Super Bowl hangover gets thrown around a lot. And you go, what happens when your offseason is defined by the 31-9 loss that you just suffered? And a lot of people are going to be frustrated, I want to say. I'm worried about Kansas City for three things. Their offensive line depth. Mahomes' salary eventually is going to kick in this kajillion dollar contract. And you're going to have to start to move some pieces around. There's going to be a lot of guys that want to get their money. They already have the ring. They don't have anything left to prove. Not like I'm not here to question or call out the character of the Kansas City Chiefs team. But there's a lot of moving parts in the NFL. And I feel like for what made New England so successful for 20 years is that their guy, Brady, was able to take these pay cuts, take these smaller, smaller contracts way less than what he's worth. So Belichick could bring in these guys like Rodney Harrison in the early days, brought in Randy Moss of all people, and you could start to bring in these defensive stars. Stephon Gilmore won him a Super Bowl in 2018. There's a lot of guys that came to New England, got their ring, got their payday, and now they're off in the sunset. So let's talk about Kansas City and the formula that Tampa Bay exposed. I, I, is exposed the right word? You guys can decide below whether exposed is the right word to talk about that Super Bowl, but... These are the three things that I listed down. The formula. You got a strong front four and a decent secondary that can cover. Because, let's be realistic, you're doubling Tyreek Hill, you're doubling Travis Kelsey with, like, you're bumping him off the line, you're trading off. That's what um, New England did in 2018 in the AFC Championship game. They had, I think, J.C. Jackson or Jason McCourty, and then they had a safety over the top, and it was basically like you were playing tag. Like, if he comes in your zone, you're it. You're the guy that's guarding him. So it made it very difficult for Hill to get open on a streak or one of his longer routes. And I think that you need a good group of running backs because controlling the clock is so important because eventually, eventually Kansas City is going to move the ball, get some yards. You're going to want a good group of running backs that can either go by committee or a guy by himself that can take the time off the clock, keep them on the sideline, get them frustrated, keep them thinking. Tampa Bay did this. Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones. Don't want to say Sean McCoy because he didn't play in the Super Bowl, which I thought was crazy. You've played You've won two rings, and you've played in no Super Bowls. That's pretty crazy. And the third thing, you need confidence. I think a lot of these teams that go in there, you get down early, and it's like, well, shoot, here we go again. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. What are you going to do? But with Brady, I feel like the most important thing was he believed they could win the Super Bowl. It wasn't a losing fight going in. like They they weren't in this big hole going in into kickoff, and I feel like a lot of teams... It's not like they need to work on it, but seeing that film, they're going to start to believe that they can do it. So I have some teams that I listed, and one of them is the Oakland Raiders, the other team to beat them. They went 14-2. I'm not going to count that Chargers loss because Mahomes didn't play. The Chargers are, ironically, on that list that comes with it. So these are my teams. Chargers, Raiders, Ravens, Browns, Steelers, Washington. You're going to go, Washington? They don't have a quarterback. They assigned Taylor Heineke to a backup deal, but they're going to find somebody. They got a good front four. Antonio Gibson, very good running back, trust me. The Chargers, Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, they've got a great roster. Casey Hayward, Chris Harris Jr., they got great corners. Obviously, Justin Herbert, great offense. Austin Nettler, he's the running back. Justin Jackson, he's also a solid running back. They could do it by committee or do it by themselves. The Steelers, I think that the Steelers have a fantastic defense. What they do with Ben Roethlisberger is a mystery at this point. But James Conner, I think they have that guy from Kentucky, if I'm not mistaken. No, yeah, Benny Snell, that's the guy. That's the guy I'm thinking of. And then they always have a decent offense, and they're always competing with teams. Cleveland, they competed with them in the playoffs. If Baker Mayfield can get OBJ back, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb. I think their defense needs some work, but they've got a good front four, and that's a start. 
and they're going to keep developing under Kevin Stefanski, which is very, very, very important to me. These are the teams that if they make the right moves and the right fit, I think they could compete. Cowboys, Titans, Broncos. The Broncos, to me, has always been a battle of can we get our QB? I don't think Drew Locke's the guy. He's at 18 starts, 23 touchdowns, 18 interceptions. I think those are the correct numbers before I looked at them. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Okay. Drew Locke's definitely not it. And I know I have a friend that's a Broncos fan. A couple. You're going to want to hear this, but I think Denver needs to go searching. Maybe try to trade for Deshaun Watson. That's another one. The great thing about this offseason is that I forgot to mention you really don't have a schedule. You don't have to follow like, oh, I need to talk about the Super Bowl this day. I need to talk about week 16, this Sunday night game. This game is important. For the offseason, there's so many moving parts, so many different things to talk about, and I'm really excited to be able to cover the draft. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, those guys are so talented. Devonta Smith, where is he going to land? Does he go number one overall? Absolutely not. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence. That will not be a discussion. Sorry, Brett Favre. I think free agency is going to be so huge. The running back class, the free agent class, the wide receiver class. The quarterback class isn't as strong. I think the quarterback class will be developed through trades. And that is really how you'll shake it up in the draft. Trevor Lawrence is a big name. Justin Fields, where will they go? I think for Fields, it's where he lands. And if he lands in Atlanta, I think that could be the steal of the draft. And you're going to say, steal, it's number four. But you could learn under Matt Ryan and have Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Todd Gurley, Austin. There's so many big weapons. I meant to say Austin Hooper, but it's Hayden Hurst now from South Carolina. And I think everyone now has backtracked to the Kansas City thing. I think everyone now is the film, and that film you're going to be able to watch for six months, do drills in training camp, preseason. The most important thing is we have an offseason now to work. There's going to be a lot of teams that didn't make the playoffs last year simply because they were given like this 50-foot hole and they said, go jump in it. This is your NFL season. I think for a lot of NFL teams, they're starting to find themselves. The better teams with the better talent, obviously, were very better than others. And I think for teams like Carolina, we're just trying to find themselves early on in the season with a new coach. You now have an offseason where you can develop a whole program, a statement, a mission. Have a preseason where you can find your guys, make those roster cuts, those tough choices. So you really have 53 guys that you believe in. That offseason is going to be so important. The NFL has their protocols. They know what to do now. They have the testing. I got all the resources, so there's no excuse on why we shouldn't have a full offseason now. That's just my opinion there. And I think that for Kansas City, this isn't some like, oh, Kansas City's going to miss the playoffs or something. They're going to go 9-7. They're probably going to win the division. They're probably going to make a playoff run. But I think Kansas City's now got to turn around every now and then. They're going to have to look back and see who's over their shoulder. And I think the Chargers could be their biggest threat because they're going to play them twice a year. I think the Chargers are going to be a playoff team. They're going to find a way to sneak in there. Justin Herbert was the best quarterback of the draft. I don't know if we'd say that differently if Burrow was playing, but Burrow was on a worse team, so we'll see how that develops. I'm just excited to see how teams now react because it seems like the box has been opened on Kansas City Secrets, and you just need some confidence to break that apart. And you saw the Kansas City Chiefs during the Super Bowl, and it's been almost a couple weeks since the Super Bowl's over, but... The thing that I took away the most, and we didn't mention it in the interview with Tigers Talk Rugby, shout out to them. Please go check them out. They're a fantastic podcast. They're great guys. They're so much fun to be around. If they're listening to this, shout out to you guys. You guys are working on an excellent podcast. I wish my podcast was the quality of yours. It's fantastic. But I digress. The frustration on the sidelines that Kansas City faced, it was insane. I've never seen Mahomes or Travis Kelsey looking rattled. It was like, 
there was a new guy on the sideline walking back and forth trying to pick them up. Usually it's Mahomes, so I took some note of that. I think as the weeks progress and more stories build, we'll start getting more specific, but I just wanted to cover my thoughts personally on the Super Bowl, post-interview, and then the offseason as a whole. So when we return, the Man With Plan podcast will return, we're going to talk about the Gene Avery Superfan of the Week. That's right, we're back, and we have a great story, but I'm going to leave you all with a keyword to leave you all hanging, Nebraska football. Stay tuned. This is the Man With Plan podcast. We'll be right back. Right, and we are back. It's time for the Gene Avery Super Fan of the Week. If you guys have been following the podcast, you know a little bit about the whole thing. Hopefully you guys are enjoying this new addition to the show, and if you're tuning in for the first time, this is the origin of the Gene Avery Super Fan of the Week. It was episode 13, and you may want to go back, catch up, listen to it, help support the podcast. I did a story about Gene Avery, who was a long, lifetime Buffalo Bills fan, 95 years old, And her story made me realize just how much I love the passion that I find with these fans and their fan bases and the teams. So in doing research, I have to say that one of the hidden perks about this is finding the traditions of these teams that I'm not really familiar with. And traditions are what makes the game special. It's what they're all about. I'm also learning some really cool facts, some tidbits about these teams, which is pretty cool because I'm kind of a sports nerd in that way, if you want to classify that. I love the useless sports knowledge and history because... Eventually, I'll have something to talk to my roommates about. I gotta bring up some random facts and tidbits while we're watching TV. That, oh, did you know this was a thing in 1967? They're like, Grayson, please shut up. And I'm like, alright, cool. So today, I'm gonna share a story about a fan in the Big Ten, an absolute legend in Cornhusker Nation. I'm talking about Nebraska football here. It's gonna be great. I'm not sure if I've ever really heard about this, but an ACC, SEC country here in Clemson, South Carolina, we're kind of football worshippers, or we are the self-proclaimed ones. But Nebraska... They got us beat. I don't think any of y'all know this, but if you do, please comment below and shout it out. Shout it out. You had every single home game. They've had every single home game sold out since 1962. And they hold the record on that one. At the time this article was written, which I believe was 2019, that is 375 home games. Now, of course, we have to take into account what COVID did. They messed up all the streaks, the records. But in the pre-COVID world, that's pretty spectacular. I never would have guessed Nebraska was the record holder for that, but I'm pretty impressed. Especially me growing up, Nebraska's not been fantastic, but they've always been associated with old-time, legendary, blue-blood football program. So this one guy, who's absolutely amazing, he was around when this stadium streak began, and this was the guy, Argene Avery, super fan of the week, is by the name of Warren Nelson. Sadly, Warren Nelson passed away in 2015, but his story nonetheless is remarkable, and he is what captures the true essence of the superfan. So let's go. Warren Nelson's start to the official Nebraska streak was all the way back in 1947, and wow, that is so long ago. At that time, Harry Truman was the president of the United States, and World War II had ended two years before that. It sounds like such a long time ago, but it really isn't. In 1947, most Americans really didn't have a television in their home. And to see a football game, you just had to go. So I did a little investigating in 1947. There was an estimated number of 15,000 TV sets in neighborhood homes. There were 144 million people on the United States. I was about to say the planet, like I'm an idiot. So to put these numbers in perspective, that means that roughly out of these 10,000 households, only one had a TV. And hopefully I did that math right. If you didn't, you can email me, tell me what a math 
the nerd I am, which is the complete opposite. I'm really bad at math. You can tell me you need to take some like basic addition again. I'll be like, all right, cool. Anyways, this brought to my attention is the attendance streak ended in 2013 of Mr. Warren Nelson because he had surgery to insert a pacemaker in his heart in 2013. And his doctor said his heart could not handle any more Nebraska games. So what are the numbers on this personal streak for Nebraska? He went to 67 seasons, 67 seasons of old games, 67. I keep saying that number because I'm in awe of how amazing that is. But what's more amazing, it was going on in Mr. Warren's life in 1947. This Nebraska streak came two years just after his completion of World War II. Tell you guys you're going to be in shock, but during the World War II, he served under General Douglas MacArthur. That alone is pretty amazing, pretty spectacular. You've heard Douglas MacArthur. The dude's basically a war legend in World War II. He was one of the cornerstones in why we were able to beat the Japanese in that war. Crazy stuff. You start sounding like a nerd, even more than I already do. So at the end of 1945 in the war, a Japanese kamikaze attacked the troop carrier that he was on, sinking the ship, and Mr. Nelson and the other servicemen who managed to survive the attack found themselves on a new challenge. Alone in the middle Pacific, they were left in the water for two and a half hours until a destroyer was able to come and rescue them. Can you imagine that for a second? How scared you would be having just witnessed your ship being attacked and then sunk, and then being in the water, not knowing what's under you, what's happening, and you're all alone. I would love to hear more about this survival story, and I've reached out to his family, but for now, I'm super grateful, super, super grateful for his service and everything that he did. That sacrifice is unheard of. So what does he come home to do after that? Just casually goes to a Nebraska football game for 67 straight years. That streak is insane. His Nebraska memories of being a fan were very interesting to me. Back then, his stadium was open on either end. Behind the goalposts were there two sets of wooden bleachers at either end of the stadium. And according to Nebraska fans, this seating is referred as the knothole. It was a place where kids could get a ticket for super cheap. And I read another Nebraska fan's comment that he paid 25 cents to get a knothole ticket in the 30s. Wow. Sometimes they would really let us poor kids in, he says on this quote. The boys sat in the south end and the girls sat in the north end. Nebraska football was a serious business. And there was no time for flirtations to distract these fans. So the girls were seated on the other side of the end. That's funny. Now, on the other end of the knothole, it was common to find a football. You would bring a football to the stadium so that you could play during halftime. It was that here that Warren began his streak as a Nebraska fan in 1947. And in 1964, when the university began some construction, which would result in the expansion of the end zones, it didn't stop Mr. Nelson. No, it didn't. His seats may have been moved, but his loyalty to the Nebraska Husk Cornhuskers never wavered. Section 7, row 40, seats 13 and 14, where his wife, Cecilia, was by his side until their games in the later years. And his son eventually would become his new football companion. He jokingly says in a quote, I wore my wife out. It's amazing to me that someone can go 67 years, almost seven decades, and not miss a home game. Think about it. Life interrupts a lot of things. Weddings, funerals, illnesses, but yet, this guy was here for everything. He was always present for the Cornhuskers, and he was honored by the university, and he's been such a source of pride for Nebraska football. Loyalty to the team, loyalty and service to his country, that is amazing. So obviously, we salute this amazing super fan of the week in Norman. Just an amazing guy. Amazing guy. And actually, before we end this super fan of the week segment, I want to talk about Nebraska fans in general. They're apparently very, very different than what you'd expect for a football fan. You know, a lot of football fans, like, let's take Philadelphia, for example. Nasty. Mean. You're like, 
you're a Philadelphia fan, I'm so sorry, but that's just the things I've heard when you go to a Philadelphia Eagles game. It's just different. But apparently these guys are very, very nice. Let's take a right tackle here from Michigan State. When you expect to go in a hostile environment, you're not really expecting people to welcome you the way that they do. When you walk in there, people say, welcome to Lincoln. It's a pleasure to have you here. We wish you all the best. And as a player, you really don't know how to cope with that. That quote alone, I would be mind blown. For me, football games, if I'm a fan of the other team and I'm seeing the opposing guys walking in, I'm like, boo, or like thumbs down, something like that. Not like, I hope you have a nice day. Hope you have a great football game, man. Hope you get those catches and stats, man, for your money. That's just not what I would do. It's absolutely insane. As we honor Warren for our Super Fan of the Week, I want to thank you guys for coming back. It has been a great show. I hope you've enjoyed what you've listened to. This is the Man With Plan podcast, episode 16. Hope you have a fantastic day, and as always, you take care. Mm-hmm.